Welcome to the 10th Year Seniors Podcast. This is our conversation podcast. Uh, we've had done a few of these in the past, and today, tonight, we have a very special guest in the studio. It's the leader of the opposition in the Senate, Senator Fred Mitchell here. The pressing question is, why is Fred Mitchell doing this now, as opposed to um, when he was a minister, when he was a part of the government? Why now uh, is there this kind of availability? Uh, well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, mm-hmm. we did all of this before. It's very interesting. I mean, people have a uh, kind of a convenient amnesia. or right. You know, first of all, well, w- with politics, people uh, who aren't in politics as a kind of full-time vocation, like someone like myself, really don't pay attention to what politicians are actually doing no. until mm-hmm. there's election time. That's mm-hmm. very and accurate. That's when they focus their attention that's on true. it. So, for example, some of the pushback on some of the things that I'm doing now, well, why didn't you do it? But if you go back and check, you'll find that I did do it. So, mm-hmm. Okay, so in that same vein, a follow-up to that, why do you believe that's so? Or if do you think that there's a message that the politician is not communicating to the people that if you're doing the things that you say that you're doing, why is there like a disconnect between what's actually happening and then the way that people are receiving it? Like, how is there? How can that be communicated in a better way? Uh, well, I think with politics, uh, a lot of it is fortuitous or luck and cyclical. Mm-hmm. Uh, people turn on and off about different things. You can't predict what the trends are going to be, um, and it's a business that you just have to keep ranging up and down the dial, like like the FM dial when you're trying to seek out a radio mm-hmm. station, and sometimes you hit. On something that you're, you know, like um, I, I went down to to uh, Exuma, and just for a lock, I just stood in a pothole shortly after the election <laughs> and took a picture, and then we put it on the face, put it on the Facebook page. To my surprise, thirty thousand views. You know, wasn't them of you standing, <laughs> in the pothole. I think and they I just couldn't believe. I it, think they took that as like metaphorical. It's like a, this is a position that the PLP finds itself in right now, just, you know, maybe because like. But I they think it got him to fix the pot all though. It which certainly is, did. Which is the point. Right? Do you think social media has changed the landscape? And I know that uh, Bahamians and let alone the Bahamas can be very closed minded and conservative. But do you think social media has changed the landscape of the way that you now have to deal with politics? Because I'm sure you haven't had to, you know, in the days of, you know, Selena Pinling and even days earlier than that. Oh, sorry, later than that. It had, has it changed the way you have had to address things now that everything is now twitter snapchat instagram facebook yeah it, it is different i mean the, the 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 campaign that we fought people mm-hmm. may not remember this and i don't know how old you are but uh, five years ago when, mm-hmm. when the campaign was fought the political campaign was fought on cable television mm-hmm. it was the the drum the uh, battle of the ads on cable tv mm-hmm. This campaign wasn't fought on cable television. Television was almost irrelevant in this mm-hmm. campaign. Mm-hmm. What was relevant was, you know, the Facebook, the, Facebook, Snapchat. The question is, you you can't predict what's going to happen five years from now. You no. don't you don't know what what how we're going to be fighting a campaign. The whole question, and, and Mitch Hanna, who's the former governor general and deputy prime minister, used to always say the issue is whether you're relevant to the times, and you know, can you can you. Uh, tap into what is actually going on at the particular moment and uh, every generation uh, thinks that they've invented the wheel but mm-hmm. you know things are really the same I mean it's just a question of what the technology is uh, and uh, and uh, you know I'm, I was just just before coming here I was saying to one of our supporters who's a leader over in uh, one of the islands that I was surprised to see him putting on Facebook support of the Prime Minister's policy on Dominica. And I said, this is about message discipline. Mm-hmm. And his argument to me is, well, I'm an independent thinker. Well, the thing is, the Progressive Liberal Party's leadership has taken a particular position with regard to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anybody who's in a leadership position ought to fall in line behind that. It's not that you don't agree or mm-hmm. you may have different views. But message discipline requires a certain thing, and that 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 is the case whether or not it's using Snapchat or Twitter or whether or it's, whichever or vehicle you use TV. to do it's it. So just, you know, if you want to tell me I disagree with the PLP's policy, that's fine, that's fine. It, but once you're a PLP leader, there's a certain kind of message discipline that you uh, impose upon yourself. I'm I'm honestly terrified that we're gonna delve into like. 
reality politics. It's going to be reality shows on ZNS and who do you vote for when we really should be having, I always say, like, actual debates. Like, let's see who is the smartest guy in the room. Let's see who has the proper ideologies. Let's see who has the proper morals. Let's see who has a plan. I'm terrified we're going to end up just, you know, who's the most popular guy who has a theme song and just just straight rhetoric well, that's 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 what it is, and, and if you want to call it the age of Trump, that's exactly. what well, it I is. was yeah, exactly. Because I don't know about those take, code words. Let's take debates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a debate uh, in 1962 in the United States. Um, 19, I guess, the run up to the 1960 the, the Nixon election, Kennedy the Nixon debate. Kennedy debate, yeah. and it didn't it didn't really um, there was no victory or loss based on the substance of the of the debate. Well, they said Nixon won on the substance, yes, it was just the visuals. Kennedy, yeah. Kennedy was a handsome guy. Right. Charming. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, had the, had the gift of gab, and, uh, and he was young, he's 43, so all the women liked him, and Nixon uh, has to sh- had to shave twice a day, because right. he, you know, so by the time the debate took place, he had all this... Uh, this beard and stuff on, right? This or, or evening shadow, what they call it, and so he looked dark and sinister and all the rest of it. Man, he just turned off the audience. So that's how these things sometimes. So, so in other words, the car and I would have lost immediately. But the standards of exactly. Yeah, but, but, hold, but hold on, though. What wouldn't there still be? I guess some kind of benefit to us having a debate. I know, like the visuals can get in the way, and sometimes, like Andrew mentioned, like someone might have the best song. They might be able to have like the best jokes. Or, like, sometimes behaviors, they don't care about substance. Like, someone can just be the loudest in the room and they can respond to that. But if a debate exists and people can replay it and people can hear, like, the thoughts and opinions of people who seek to be their leaders, wouldn't that be beneficial? Because I was waiting for someone from the government or the opposition before the last election just to, like, have a verbal challenge. Like, you spoke about ads in the last election and cable ads. Take out an entire ad challenge the leader of the opposition who's now like the prime minister be like okay you believe you can do better debate us let's go through these points let's have an hour-long debate well these turn on uh, the strategic interests of a political party right. a political party that knows that it's it's way ahead has no interest in having a debate with anybody right. okay. because the debate can only bring their numbers down That's true. so uh, given uh, the outturn in the 2012 election uh, sorry 2017 election I mean, Minnis obviously believed and knew that he was way ahead. So right. what would be the advantage to having a debate? The debate could only help the PLP, would, That's true. Be, his, would be his view. That. So if you see the way he ran his campaign, he basically abandoned all the formal mechanisms mm-hmm. of the state. He ignored right. them completely. He didn't come to the House of Assembly. He paid no attention to what the press asked. He simply was on the campaign trail. And that proved to be a correct strategy for him at the end. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the way it works. So just to follow up uh, on that point, is that what you think that did it for the PLP? Like, what do you think happened that resulted in the PLP losing the election in historic proportions? Um, there, there's, I don't think there's any particular answer to it, mm-hmm. um, my, except that my view is it's, it's cyclical. People just got tired for whatever mm-hmm. reasons you want to ascribe to it. It can be for policy reasons because the policies are obviously sound. They're being continued now. Nothing has actually changed. There is no new program. Um, the, people say it's Perry Christie. That's what the that's what the the uh, the polls were showing mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. But when you look at again at his policies, the policies are basically sound. So, mm-hmm. but but what happens is you fall out of fashion, and so mm-hmm. when you fall out of fashion, there's nothing you can actually do. But we, we saw this as as late as 1997. Same thing, uh, just fell out of fashion. I mean, in defense of this new government, they're five months in, so we don't know, I guess, which new policies or which new endeavors they're going to take moving forward from here. But there was, I guess, the meme or the thinking of the zeitgeist and the Bahamian public was that the PLP had a culture of corruption that had to be taken out. And I was listening to an interview that you had done uh, previously where you said that if you believe that about the PLP, why do you have a opposite view of the FNM or why do you ha- hold them in a different regard? And I agreed on your thinking in that one, excuse me, in that regard. But at the same time, to ignore, I guess, the sentiment or the feel of the people without like fighting back vociferously, I think... To me, that's where the PLP lost some of the Bahamian public because you had to every day come out and say, 
listen, this is not true, or defend every single point that the opposition made. Well, who is gonna who is gonna listen though? If the public, this is right. what I'm saying, the mm-hmm. public gets to a point where it just stops listening. So it doesn't matter what you say. Mm-hmm. And if you went back again, if you actually check the facts, you will find that the PLP answered every specific thing was answered. The question was whether the public listened. The public didn't care. They didn't care. They just completely tuned out. And so you're basically beating your head against a wall. And, and at that point, at that point, from a strategic point of view, you go into defense mode and you say, okay, what's going to be our fallback meltdown position, mm-hmm. right, in order to see how we can survive? Well, I, well, you know, it's something that I always bring up um, uh, in my uh, articles and stuff I do for the website is that there seems to be a divide. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, and, and there's a chasm between the, and, you know, I don't want to sound elitist, because that's how Hillary lost. But I think there's... I, I like to call well, it... Well, I don't agree that's why Hillary lost. You, I, I think it's because she's a woman. That's all. Simple as I, that. I think that helped. Yeah. I, I, I think there was... She was a woman, and then I think she... I thought she had it in the bag. And like, I, I think in her mind, you know, this is mine. I'm entitled to this. It's no way Trump's going to win. Mm. But, um, but, but, but but I think, it, you know, in the Bahamas... And, I, and, you know, to piggyback off that point... Um, I think the PLP is known for, as the grassroots party. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the Bahamas, I'm 35, um, you're 30, 35. 35. Yeah. We're both 35. Our generation is coming up. And so we're a bit more informed than my parents. I, I can say that, you know, both my parents, you know, my mother is this, my father is this, so this is what I am. But people like me and Dakari, like, I don't agree with my parents' stances. I'm, I, I look at the facts, I look at what's presented. Do you think that, you know, without attacking anyone, I can state my stance. I generally feel like there is 90% of the Bahamas that's just like, this is my party. This is what I'm going with. I'm tired of this. Like, I, I saw people attacking Minas within two weeks. Within two weeks. You know, you, you know, their light cuts off. I thought it was the people's time. It, it, it's, it's literally just that simple. How difficult is it for you to navigate those waters and try and get your point across to get facts across like you you know you said several times here you know what the points were there the facts were there we 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 did this but people weren't paying attention how hard is it to navigate those waters to you know and moving forward how hard will it be to navigate those waters well part of the difficulty of course is that uh, the lead for news gathering is still vested in a small group Mm -hmm. of of companies Mm -hmm. okay um you have the Nassau Guardian, mm-hmm. you have the Tribune, and then you have the Broadcasting Corporation, and to and then Jones Communications and the right? Punch, <laughs> and and the Punch. Okay, uh, so it's a small and and that's that sets the lead for the day. So the discussions are actually set, even though even though the numbers of people reading those things are not significant mm-hmm. anymore. They're a dwindling dwindling uh, body of people. Mm-hmm. Once those reach the public in the morning. That sets the discussion points for the day, and everything spreads out from there. So one of the issues the PLP has always had to tackle is a hostile group in that that group. And every single one of them, with the exception of Jones Communication, opposes the PLP. It is so pernicious, it's come to the point uh, where I've actually accused the Nassau Guardian's managing editor of being unethical. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if there were a situation where um, I... Uh, as a minister of the government, mm. did something for my brother, mm. that would not stand. You, you'd be howls of protest, but yet you have a newspaper of record whose managing editor is the brother of the minister of national security, and and that directly affects what you see in the newspaper with regard to to crime. I mean, it's it's clear as day. So, so th- that's that's the issue. Kalina, for example, who owns the Nassau Guardian, isn't any surprise that the Nassau Guardian opposes national health insurance when $100 million a year is spent by the Bahamas government with Kalina for insurance, administering the government's insurance. So if national health insurance comes into play, what does that do to them and their bottom line? So, So, I mean, there are all these sorts of connections that you find. But who listens to that? You know, it's the people's time. But then the people, <laughs> the people are working from a, a place of imperfect information. Mm-hmm. So their way of receiving information is through the media and through journalists. And journalists as, as the fourth estate, they are supposed to guard. They're supposed to be doing the protection. 
so there was a time where because we're all aware now of Minnis's dealings with the government and when he um the government was renting from Minnis based off reporting that was done that had to be done so that same kind of reporting was also focused towards the plp and you i think your estimation of it is that these uh newspapers these journalists journalistic uh, companies who set the tone they're going after the plp because they have a specific agenda to do so my thing is them with the plp being the government shouldn't that be their focus they're the they're the government they're the people in power the fnm is the opposition they're going to have less of a spotlight on them do you think that that in it that in and of itself is fair because you mentioned that the plp responded to every corruption charge i'm not a person who read the newspaper every day so i'll i'll just come out frank and say it but to me it did not seem that the plp was responding to every corruption charge or responding adequately well the thing is uh we're going to see what happens with these corruption right. so-called corruption mm-hmm. cases true. that are right. before before the courts at the moment mm-hmm. right? but you know i just say out of an abundance of caution in a country that has no campaign finance law laws you have to be very careful how you accuse people of corruption that's right. all i say you know and clearly this this is a strategy that from our point of view this is simply a strategy a political strategy to secure the next election it's the old playbook i mean as soon as pinling lost they created a commission of inquiry the whole idea was to sully his reputation the commission of inquiry found nothing it was absolutely nothing nothing to it mm-hmm. but all of the salacious details and gossip influenced the public in 1997 and he was gone maybe his time was up as i said you know your time mm-hmm. is up sometimes but what i'm saying is you cannot s- divorce uh what is happening in the courts as from the political strategy mm-hmm. of the party in power and the only reason not the only reason but you know uh, my view is uh, i'm not i'm not s- being sentimental about this uh, don't tell me you need a honeymoon. Don't tell me, you know, mm-hmm. we lost and we have four seats. Okay, yeah, yeah, I get all of that, right? But you said, this is your standard. You said, when I get to govern, I'm going to be ready from day one. So. I mean, I think everyone says no, that. No, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. You said it. You said it. Yeah, you said exactly. it. You said it. You know? yeah. But we could be like, you know, you was on the outside. Like, you, no, who was ready? I know. <laughs> I know know we were ready. Right. I know we were ready. And we did things. We said we would reverse the rule on the commission of police. So when we came, we did it. We reversed it. Now, 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 I'm glad you just said what you just said in terms of that's not me. My biggest question, the only question that I really adamantly knew I wanted to ask for this podcast was this. Um, I have been caping for you for like, the kind of teased me about it, be like, please stop talking about Fred Mitchell. And they were like, you talk about him too much, it's weird. <laughs> How are you not the leader of the PLP? And I'll tell you why. Here's my confusion. I have said in, in, in many articles, you're the smartest guy in the room. You speak, you say what's on your mind, which isn't, you know, I can't. I feel weird saying that because I say the say, same thing about Trump and I don't want to put that on you. But you speak your mind, you speak facts. How is it that you haven't even... Well, I don't know if you've attempted, but I, but I think you should be because, you know, when you know Perry Christie aging, like you said, like well, not like you said, I'm sorry, I don't want to put that on you, but like he's old-fashioned, I think his time is up, it's time for something new, and, you know, even though you've been in politics for so long, you're still relatively new, you're still relatively fresh, and you're still young. How are you not the leader, or why have you not made a campaign to be the leader? Because well, I think that you should be. This is not me. I think that you 100% should yeah, be. I get, I, get, I get that all the time. It's okay. been a long time, right? Pinling retired when he was 62, right? Or mm-hmm. lost the government when he was 62. Mm-hmm. I'm 63, so I'm older than Pinling. Okay. right? So when people say you're a young man, that's you know, yeah. not quite quite. I'm trying to make myself feel that's, better. That's like a black <laughs> don't crack thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's why I was making the point, and and I was looking at all these leaders at the UN last week. For example, the president of Ghana is 71, and Trump right. is 70, and Hillary is. The guy's like 93 so, or 92 or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah, but age is to me age is not the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be 21. The point is whether you're relevant to the times. And so it is flattering to me that uh, people in your age group still find mm-hmm. that what I say is relevant to these times. Uh, and that's about you know whether you have the intellectual acuity mm-hmm. or whether you're tuned into where the country ought to be going. Now, there are a number of factors which uh, you know 
vitiate against my being where I am. One is uh, in the present situation, I lost the seat for right. whatever reasons. I lost the seat, mm-hmm. and I, it is my view that the two positions, leader of the opposition mm-hmm. and leader of the party, should be the same. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a bit um, unbalanced mm-hmm. if that is not the same. Okay, so that's that's the structural issue. Mm-hmm. And many people say, ah, well, you know, don't worry about that because it used to happen before. You know, Cecil Wallace Whitfield was the leader outside the House uh, of the FNM, and they have a leader of the opposition, and it happened again with Ingram and um, and um, and Alvin Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is possible to do it, and it's possible in the PLP's constitution to do it. But we saw the instability that that caused last year with the FNM when Loretta became the leader and. Uh, Minis was outside the parliament, right? Mm-hmm. So that that that's something to consider. The other thing, of course, is there are all sorts of personal factors. I did uh, try to run for leader the last election we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as it came to the last days, there was a lot of pressure on me to withdraw. My own supporters were saying, "Look, you know, don't go ahead with this, so on and so forth." And I said, "Okay, fine, I wouldn't," mm-hmm. and I withdrew uh, on the day of, on, on nomination day. Mm-hmm. I've always said it's my Aspiration, I think that's the word, to be leader of the PLP. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these things are a matter of luck, um, and you know, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't. But I, you know, whatever I want is I remain want the PLP to remain intact as a force mm-hmm. for uh, Afrocentric politics in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. uh, for equity for Afro Bahamians in particular, but all Bahamians generally. Uh, those sorts of uh, uh, economic empowerment and, and to speak to those issues. And the tide will ebb and flow. I mean, sometimes you'll be down to four, sometimes you'll be up to 28 mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's, that, come, that comes with it. And then, of course, you know, there are, you know, certain prejudices which exist with regard to me because I'm single and all the buzz which goes around. Why, so why, so why is that? Like, that, that bothers me that you have to have a family, you have to have kids, you, you have to meet this certain, you have to be in this box. And I think we as Bahamians, because I, I don't know if you care, I don't care if you have kids or not, I could give no i don't care yeah i I agree with you because facts don't care what you're feeling except that you may surprise yourself i mean not that it matters to me either and i don't give a hoot and i will if if the opportunity comes i'll do it uh but you know you've got the ducks have got to line up in a certain way and they're not quite lined up at the moment that's where you spoke about the luck that's where the luck comes in and it's it's about timing sometimes menace is where he is because of luck you know Mm -hmm. really i mean when you look at it so what, what I'm saying is, I 100% agree. Right. So what I'm what I'm saying is, you know, the ducks have to have to line up. So uh, at a certain point, um, you know, you you advance. Um, I've adv- my career has advanced very much, but you know, people often surprise themselves. As liberal as all of us are here, are in this room with regard to social matters. <laughs> Sometimes, and and this is why I say voters don't actually think about elections. Until it happens. Until elections. Right. Like you know? three months before. Yeah, yeah. Ma- maybe maximum. three months, right? Yeah. You know, they sort of get... You they know, wait for the rallies the to show up. And so on and so forth. But those of us who, on a Sunday afternoon, you know, these... Producers, when you're yeah. three years out, you're yeah, still you're right. thinking, I mean, about thinking about politics and the elections and, and all this people, kind of stuff. Most people in the country are not thinking about politics no. at I all. think the majority of Bahamians, I, I had to call it front page, like front page readers. Yeah. I'm a person where I go to the gas station, I read the front no. page. Same thing. I see it at work every time. Yeah. Like the newspaper will be there. They'll look at the headline, maybe read three sentences, put it back yeah. down, and then go back to work. Yeah, I, w- I was lecturing at the University of the Bahamas yesterday. Uh, these are freshman class. I guess they must be 17 going on 18. And uh, so I, I you know, asked them uh, something about what happened. What did Trump say uh, at the UN about North Korea? No idea. Blank. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe one person answered, you know, and 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 that's that's typical of. And I'm not casting any aspersions on them. That's typical of most people. Is you know you're not really paying attention until the question is actually put. Okay, we're one two days out. What do I do? And then somebody jumps up and says, "So and so is this and that." He doesn't get well, a wife, and then everybody says, and then "So let me ask you." That becomes, okay, I, I got know, I got one more to this. Bang, so that's bang, 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 and bang. then you could go. So yeah. like this goes back to my media point. So a well-informed electorate is supposed to be the strength of any democracy. 
Supposedly. Supposed to be. So <laughs> if we are, if this the Bahamian so. people are working from an area of imperfect information where messages are not being received, and to my mind, sometimes what, what makes me uncomfortable is when I see politicians getting into it with journalists, because I don't believe that that's the job of the politicians. Even if you hate the journalist questions, their job is to ask you questions no matter how stupid they are, because you're the person with the information who's sitting in the meetings who is the best on policy, so they're allowed to ask you questions. I have a fear that if politicians are allowed to bully journalists, then we're not, the information isn't, isn't going to become better. It's going to become worse and progressively worse, and people are going to get into the mode of more conspiracy theories and conspiracy theories and WhatsApp groups and Facebook statuses are going to be the thing that informs the Bahamian public going forward. My thing is, like, when you speak to other politicians, does this message come across? Does this, like... The journalists, even though we might view them as the quote-unquote opposition, sometimes they are necessary. Well, journalists are necessary, and the man you speak to them. But like Candy and Dance, I won't speak to them. I won't. (laughs) I just won't do it. Because there's nothing you can say which is going to be properly interpreted or reported. That's my experience with with She she comes into it with an agenda. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get myself into the trap of whatever it is you're trying to do because you know that whatever it is is going to be self-serving and that's my view i mean so then that goes to the point so the, of rest, the rest of i have no issue with people mm-hmm. who you know call you up and ask you for information and i have a good relationship with them i can tell them this is off the record or i can explain what's going on as a policy point in the plp i think that's great uh once you understand once a newspaper report and it isn't the reporters so much it's the management and it's the right. owners Right. I mean, we have Eileen Karen on the on the one hand who runs the Tribune, you know, got nothing to do all day, but sit out out east in her house typing up, you know, whatever the latest you know, <laughs> bug is in her ear. Right? Who, who describes the leader of the opposition as topsy, which is a racist expression. I mean, it it's, just, it's just incredible that something like that. And nobody says a word. Well, uh, someone, uh, one of uh, one of the uh, intellectuals in the country, Gaskins, mm-hmm. wrote a letter just saying how appalled he was that this could appear in a newspaper in 2017 and no one thinks that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's clearly racist. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the kind of stuff that is coming from people who manage a newspaper and who are channeling information to the Bahamian public. That's what they think of us. Mm-hmm. But see, I think we've hit a dilemma now where everything is so politicized. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the head of this paper, the head of that paper, I'm not even going to get into the punch... Like everything is now, so everything has an agenda. How do we how how do we get to a place where? Because I look at, for example, and, and I and I, I'm sorry to keep bringing it up, but we have to address or or look at American politics. And say, well, okay, they say NBC is very left wing, Fox is obviously very right wing. You would like to think CNN is in the center, but they're very you know they lean a bit more left. Is there any way or is there any time that you see that we're going to hit a place where there's an independent source that says we're going to ask about the facts? We're going to ask, you know, the hard questions, but we're going to stick to facts. We're going to report the facts. And if that newspaper happens, who's going to read that? Because I'm going to be honest, I don't I can't see Bahamians reading facts. Bahamians love Bahamians will read to Kyrie Peter up himself <laughs> speaking to Fred Mitchell. And there's a video attached to it, and there's audio, and there's going to be several WhatsApp voice notes. I, I had a Dakari dude, da 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 They're going to read and listen to that 50,000 times before they read, this person said, Topsy, and that's racist. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Gonna, uh, that will get five views. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be me, Dakari, and like three other intellectuals right. who are foreign. But, but, <laughs> but my focus has been, uh, throughout my my conscious political life is that I'm not so I understand that you have to mass mobilize as a politician Mm -hmm. okay you have to because you have to win 50% plus one right but my view is the focus ought to be on people like yourselves Mm -hmm. who are the opinion makers Mm -hmm. a small group of people and you try and tackle tackle those people and uh, the young leaders you try and tackle them because um, in each generation somebody's going to come along and eventually someone is going to lock into the philosophies which I support, mm. which is basically a liberal democracy. Mm. I mean, I was appalled last year 
that the country rejected gender equality as a as a over oh, nonsense. We we all just, were. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Yeah. The arguments were just so ridiculous. Uh, but that's the way it turned out. Have I, has there ever been a time, even in your quietest, darkest moments, where you said, "You know what? Let me just bend. Let me get a wife. Let me get some kids. Let me put up this a picket fence and just put up this perfect image of what Bahamians think." I should be, and then run. Has there ever been a, a time ever where you've said, let me just do this to just satisfy them, pacify them, and then let's see what happens? Or, or, or are you just... No. No. Good answer. I respect that. Let's move on. I respect that. I'm not a faker. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we wanted to talk about also, just to make the quick pivot, because we want to uh, focus on some policy towards the hurricane relief efforts. Um, the Bahamas got hit with, I think, both hurricanes affected the southern southern islands of the Bahamas. Nassau was spared from um, from hits of, of both of these hurricanes. But the biggest story in the news now is that the Prime Minister of, of the Bahamas, um, Dr. Hubert Benes at this time, has said that he is going to um, allow um, young children from Dominica to come to the Bahamas for for schooling and to bring like some relatives with them and the reaction from the Bahamian people has been mixed. He has said that predictable. He, I thought that it was predict- <laughs> very predictable. <laughs> I thought that it was predictable, but like from um, he did not expect for there to be this kind of divide for people to disagree with him so strongly. And I think he thought that this was so close to being uh, elected prime minister that this decision would be greeted, I guess, with more fanfare, with more people saying this is the right thing to do. What are your opinions on this you had a in as your role as minister had a direct role in some of these specific kinds of conversations so you're the kind of person we need to speak to on this what are your opinions on this man you know i i said (laughs) said it this way couldn't have happened to a finer bunch you know you you sow the wind you reap the whirlwind when we tried to get this country to sign on to the csme in 2005 the fnm ran a jingoistic xenophobic campaign which whipped up such hysteria against Caribbean people that we had to stop the debate. It had become so nasty. So there's no surprise that this is what happened. And this also happens when you don't think policy through properly. Now you you could perhaps have easily announced such a policy had you before getting out front in the public said when the prime minister of Dominica came here you could have easily said look uh, the policy under the PLP was as follows if some emergency happened in the Caribbean of that nature there's a a grant which we gave to Caribbean countries Mm -hmm. which is that grant was a hundred thousand we did it for Guyana we did it for Dominica when they had the storm I think we may also have done it for St. Lucia Mm -hmm. That's a standard gift. And it is a, a gift. The United States does a similar thing. I think theirs is 200000 mm-hmm. The Chinese give 50000 right? Mm-hmm. So countries do that. Mm-hmm. So that's standard procedure, already done. Mm-hmm. So you could announce such a thing because the record is clear. That's mm-hmm. what we do. Now, any add-on beyond that, here's what you say. Knowing, because you got to know the people you serve, you say, uh, any add-on, we have to consult the cabinet and the wider community as to what it is we can offer. Mm-hmm. And then you let it go. And then you could, you know, come with your program. Now, of course, he's fumbling around and hopes the PLP comes to his rescue by saying, oh, we're with you on this, right? Well, I'm sit on my hands. I'm not going to help you out with your, your problem. You fix it. So you think this is just a political misstep and not so much the sentiment behind it? Because the sentiment behind it of helping Caribbean neighbors should be one that we can all endorse. I mean, that, that's clearly, I mean, that's why we're in Caracom. Yeah. That's why we're in Caracom. Mm. And, uh, and others do it for us. Because I, it, this is my own personal view. I think any pushback on this goes towards the narrative that the Bahamas is a, or the Bahamian people are xenophobic and that we don't want foreigners, because you hear the word foreigners batted about all the time in like a negative connotation to come to our island. And that was interesting what you said just now, because, you know, I think maybe uh, Prime Minister Minnis got in the room and then he promised he's like, okay, we can do this and thought he could announce it and it could come out in the paper without some kind of political pushback or pushback from the people. But 
if the FNM in their role as the opposition had spent this time gendering this kind of xenophobic fervor. Well, not because they believed it, you know. Because they were the opposition, so you yeah, oppose. It was just convenient mm-hmm. to do right. so. They, they, you know, you stick your finger in the wind. Hear people saying that. Say, okay, I like that horse. Let's ride that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, and that's how you come. To learning, power. learning from, <laughs> learning from their misstep, though. Shouldn't the PLP then say, you know what, you made a mistake, but at the same time, we still have to help these people. We still have to help our neighbors. Isn't there some kind of, not, as a Bahamian people, we should unify to help other people no, no not unless not unless there's buy-in on this one fact you accept my humanity you accept my basic integrity and you accept my honesty but if you are going to be calling me corrupt dishonest crooked uh stupid unintelligent and all the rest of it, you just did that last week spend the whole summer calling a stupid crooked corrupt dishonest that's what you did locked up four people right as a political strategy did all of that now you want me to come join hands with you say we're all together together what you know i thought you said i was crooked what you want me in your plane for why if i'm crooked and corrupt and dishonest that's my view and that's the advice i've i've given you know it's like i said with dionisio diagula right he gets up and says all of us are corrupt and crooked and so on and so forth and i gotta tell you it hurts my heart every time i have to go into solomon's food store <laughs> Of a fellow who says I'm a crook. Like, you know what? I don't want your pesto. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like putting money in his pocket. Uh, <laughs> you know? So, alright, so, right, so that's my thing. Because that is so oh, amazingly fresh, petty. Fresh it's, it's it's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they call a story. Fresh market. Yeah, fresh market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was you, I'd shopping somewhere else, though. Because I was going to the Chinese. Well, the food is good. <laughs> I mean, it's excellent, actually. <laughs> Listen, still, though, I'd be and, chewing and, the spinach and be like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, in the end, what you're doing is you're, you're not really here. It's the, it's the little people. The people, who are right. Serving the exactly, food, that's true. Know, you know, and the cashiers and the managers and things like that. Yeah. That's that's the issue. I mean, well, I, well, I, you know, the question I always ask these guys, and I always ask people in general, people our age, because, you know, again, you know, I love my parents to death, but they're very caught up in the old ways. Do you have hope? Do like, do you have hope that there will be a time when Bahamians focus on facts? Do you have hope that there will be a time where equal rights, um, gay rights, everything? will just come to a head and we say to ourselves, you know what, it's time to join the the world's conversation. The, the world is having this conversation and you have more, you've got some countries that some would think are more backwards than us who are moving ahead. Do you think, do you have hope for the Bahamas to, to say, well, you know, we're going to get there one day and me and the Kari are not going to be dead before that happens? Well, that's up to you. I mean, <laughs> it is up to you. With our habits, because, we will die. Because, you know, um, <laughs> Um, I, I, I say to the younger ones in the PLP, uh, they used to complain the whole time about the fact that, you know, the old people are running the place, they can't get anywhere. Yeah. And I said, this is really strange because, uh, you know, Frederick Douglass, the abolitionist from the United States, used to say or said, you know, power concedes nothing without a demand. Mm-hmm. Power concedes nothing without a demand. So if you want power, you don't expect anybody to give it to you. If you want it, you got to take it. I mean, we've heard some of those same sentiments from younger PLPs as well. They say, like, getting up through the system to be able to run for a position of a minister or to be appointed to a senior position in the PLP takes such a long time that they, like, for their own political career, sometimes go to different avenues, well, to different parties. No, it did not. But I, I'm saying, but, like, this is, again, we're talking about, like, just the sentiment, like, the kind of thinking that yeah. people have. And you see, this is what I mean about perceptions. Look right. at what happened. Because remember, the Greenberg Report came out in 2007, when we lost the election in 2007. Mm-hmm. The Greenberg Report said that when they disaggregated uh, or deconstructed the demographic groups that the PLP uh, won in mm-hmm. that election, <clears throat> we won the age group over 65, far and away. We lost every other age group. <clears throat> we won everybody with a high school education and below. Mm-hmm. Every other demographic we lost in terms of education. So their observation to us is, in a country that is becoming richer, that is becoming more educated, mm-hmm. and where younger people are having a greater percentage or the greater percentage of the population, unless the PLP fixes that problem, you're headed to the graveyard. That was their advice. 
Sure. So, the campaign of 2012 was run on this next generation theme. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. And so, all these new faces came up, you know, Randwood Wells, and, you know, Damien Gomez, and Ryan Pinder, and mm -hmm. Andre Rollins, and Greg Moss, and so on and so forth. This was the next generation, mm -hmm. right? Before the five years were up, disaffection set in for one reason or the next. And we were stripped down to the same group again. Now, I, I don't know what the various reason, reasons are for that, but... I mean, you speak to them, though. You had to, like... You guys sit in meetings together, like, without the air of the public in shot. You had to have some kind of conversation with them to figure out where their no, disaffection came it, from. You could yeah. see it coming. Uh, I suppose frustrations of one, case, one, one, one thing or the other. But, you know, my view about all of this is that is that you know that's what political parties are about it imposes a discipline upon you and the question is the trick you learn is how to fight to get through the thicket and so you can use disaffection as leverage to get what you want you know that, that that's the that's the skill skill to do that yeah but i think the answer to that question is easy i mean uh, you know I, I heard what you said just now and my thing is you can add as many new if i add if I cut off these four fingers without my thumb and add another new four fingers, this thumb is still the most important part of the hand. Yeah, That's well, Perry the, Christie. Like, yeah, but the next thing to do is then you go with that person. But usually, and I suppose that's what Andre Rollins said he did. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. but he ended up doing what to himself? Getting slapped. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that didn't happen. I mean, he had a great time, yeah. you know, savaging yeah. everybody and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the art of politics is survival. Yeah, it you is. Know? If you're in politics, you're in politics for the long term. Mm -hmm. So I expected, you know, Andre Rollins to be around till he's my age. You know, Boy, he I don't was know. skillful enough to win elections over and over again. Now, to go, I'm sorry, I just want to go back to the hurricane and for, to the Dominican situation. How would the PLP government handle this differently if you Precisely guys... Precisely as we said, something like that should not have been announced in the way it was done. Because... So you're saying you would have gone to a cabinet and then address it, be like, the $100,000 is happening, that's mandated, that's what we've uh, agreed to. But in addition to that, we want to do something else. We want to do an add-on. But we, would, we had the experience of the CSME, as I told right. you, right? And the bitterness around that. So we would have known and this is the other thing, too, that people should, parties should not believe their own propaganda. Okay, you say that we're stupid, right? But please, don't believe we're stupid. Right? That's what mm -hmm. I say about all governments in this country. Yeah, exactly, yeah. that's You've true. You've got to think that at some point, people act rationally, that they act in their own best interest, right? So if you look back at the record, you'll see that all we've gone through all of this before. There's nothing which is new. Right. We've gone through it before. Mm -hmm. And so that should inform you and teach you how to develop policy. So, but of course, if you go, you've come, come de novo to some situation and you say, uh, my opponents are stupid. Mm -hmm. Whatever they did before was stupid and dishonest. And I'm the smartest guy in the room because I was elected with 35 well, we seats. We expect some smart so, ideas. Right. So you just get up and say, that's it. And, of course, you, every time you make a decision from the time you get elected, you're spending political capital. And you're moving towards zero again. You know, it doesn't get better. Right. You know, you're on the decline. So you have to determine how early you're going to spend the capital and how much capital you're going to spend and what you're going to spend it on. Right now, what you should be spending it on is the fact that Grand Baham is dead in the water. The economy. Mm -hmm. There's no money in anybody's pockets. And you've spent the whole summer laying off people off the public service, saying that you're trying to save the country. So... You know, why you're doing that. That the country's in debt, that they have to make these cuts, that yeah, it's so, mandated, so, that so they're they doing... Say, yeah. you know, and, and then, see, it, all of this is fed into itself. You spent the whole summer saying the country is broke, the country is poor, the country's been mismanaged, the country has no money. And then you come up with this. So the public says, well, hang on a second. Hang you on told second. us we were broke, yeah, right. and now you're doing, you doing this. What are you doing? And that goes directly towards hurricane policy, because, yeah. like... The Southern Islands were affected. They were evacuated. That was great, great job there that they were evacuated, that uh, people weren't, I guess, a large number of people weren't harmed. But 
what happens the next time that a hurricane decides it's going to be a direct hit through all the islands that Nassau is going to get hit, Address Abaco, everyone's going to get hit at that time. What does the government do? How do we spend money yeah, that we claim plan for that? we don't have? I, I, I don't know what is the plan, and that is why we issued the policy statement. Because it's fine to have philosophical arguments about climate change and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. But the problem is we are faced, we live in a hurricane zone. Mm-hmm. And we know that the hurricanes are going to be more frequent. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what are we doing about mitigation and adaptation? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said jokingly to the university class I was with yesterday, I said, when you go and think about this at home, how does the Bahamas respond to hurricanes? You think about it, right? Whether it is Perry Christie's government or Ingram's government mm-hmm. or whether it's Minnesota's government, if you go back and look at all the TV clips it's the same. You could take Minnis out and put Christie there. You could put Christie mm-hmm. out and put... Um, Operator from the same playbook. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, they all jump on the plane, go down to the place where the hurricane took place, look around, inspect, inspect, hug the people who are hurting. And Amazing Photo ops, yeah. Right. yeah. And everybody says, oh, this is terrible, so on and so forth, right? But six weeks, eight weeks later, the people are still living in houses where the roofs are leaking. Yep. That, that was one of our, our issues in this last campaign. Hurricane Matthew happened it's because it was on my birthday, the 5th of October last year. Mm. Um, I was warned, do not have a birthday party because the hurricane is coming. <laughs> I would have been a bad I luck. I love that you brought that up. Like, yeah. well, the hurricane <laughs> came at 4 o'clock on the morning of the 6th, so it was great. We had a great dinner. We had a great dinner on the evening of the 5th. <laughs> good <laughs> drinks, open bar, yeah, like good food. Like everyone had the day off after. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, my friends would say, my wife says I shouldn't come because the hurricane is coming. I said, but the hurricane isn't coming until tomorrow morning. <laughs> so you're good. You're free. Look at you. No, no, don't leave. We're fine. It's coming at 12. Like, yeah, you're fine. Right. So, so the hurricane comes the 5th or 6th of October last year, right? Right. And, uh, and, and the damage ensues. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Jean, Wilma, Michelle, all of those have come before. And so what happens then is the damage takes place. All of the inspections take place. A hurricane czar is appointed in Shane Gibson to try and cut through the bureaucracy. But it was an absolute nightmare. My constituents in Foxhill were saying, look, how many times are inspectors going to come to my house and inspect this damage? The mm. roof is leaking. I'm sick of this blue tarp on top of my roof. Mm. You know, And inspectors have to come and they look and you take them through and they make notes, judicious, okay, we're going to get back to you. Three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks later, nothing has happened. And that's the issue. So I was saying, we need to focus our attention on when the hurricane happens on restoring the country immediately, not down the road. Mm. How do we do that? How do we get our bureaucratic processes to deal with that issue? The Panamanians, for example, have offered to build a massive warehouse in Panama because Panama is an earthquake-free zone and a hurricane-free zone. Mm-hmm. They said, you put the, the, the staging point for all of this in Panama. The tractors, the this, the that, everything right. that you need. Mm-hmm. You know, the roofing materials, so on and so forth. And when the hurricane happens, there's a protocol which says, this is what we do immediately to get to that place. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we won't see this picture of the Minister of Education, Jeff Lloyd, standing up in the bloody schoolroom in, uh, in, in uh, Ragged Island. You know, looking around, so on and so forth. Let's fix the school. Mm -hmm. I mean, just put the school back together. Just get it done. And I'm saying that simplistically, but the question is, how quickly can we do that? So that's that's the back end, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to stimulate the discussion on. And it's not new because I told the students yesterday, in the Netherlands, they've been living in a country. It's called the Netherlands or the Lowlands Mm -hmm. because it's below sea level. And so they're dikes. They're, they even have in their legend a story where the dike sprung a leak and the little boy put his finger in the dike until people could mm-hmm. come to the rescue. Mm-hmm. That's part of their folklore, mm-hmm. right? And the Dutch are planning a hundred years out as to how they can improve their sea defenses to be able to save their country in the long term. So on the front end, what we can do in the Bahamas is Building codes, which are now 120 miles per hour, need obviously, with the new normal, now up at 185 miles an hour, mm-hmm. building codes have to be adjusted. Sea walls and sea defenses have to be constructed. Mm-hmm. Uh, evacuation zones have to be created. 
those are the kinds of things that we have to deal with. And, and how, how do you get to that point, though? Well, well, the discussion has to start. And that's why I'm trying to get, that's why I'm trying to use a forum like right. this, right? Mm. To, for the younger ones to start talking about this, because these are the policy issues which you will have to execute. I mean, we're not going to be around, right? Mm. So you have to think about these issues. And do you think climate change or this, the discussion of climate change is the entry point to those things? Because sometimes I believe that self-preservation might not necessarily even be the thing that motivates the Bahamian public uh, to get that done. They could see um, like these kind of uh, new initiatives to the new building codes like, okay, that's more construction jobs. If you see that, okay, um, we have to do, we have to, uh, to improve the sea walls and the sea defense again, that's more construction jobs, that's more people who have to man it, that's more people who have to, to work on the upkeep. Um, they could look at it from an economic perspective, but do you think that the message of this is to save us, to save our country, that everyone's so patriotic about that you have this xenophobic tendency for, this is why you're doing it. So how is that, that messaging going to reach everyone who right now, sometimes people think a hurricane is a day off. Because you know a lot of Bahamians think that same way. They'll be like, okay, I'll go to a liquor store. Okay, I'll go get some KFC, Andrew. So that's how they view... I got two uh, buckets. That's how they view a hurricane coming, and that's how they view a preparation, and I'll go put up some plywood, put up some shutters, and then that's it. Well, because no one ever thinks of, I guess, the worst-case scenario. Well, the, yeah. Because there hasn't been a direct hit, really, on mm -hmm. Providence since 1929. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Matthew was a real scare for people because, mm -hmm. of, because of the surge and all the rest of it, right? But you have to think the time is coming when there's going to be a direct hit on New Providence, and the question is, what do you do then? And that's really where planning has to be on the back end. And just as you see happening with Dominica, at some point, do we become uh, climate change refugees? You know, mm -hmm. some of the some of the Pacific Island nations. When Christie, when Prime Minister Christie was Prime Minister, I arranged a meeting with himself and the president of Micronesia about the synergies which we could develop between the Pacific Islands and ourselves mm -hmm. about how we deal with this issue. Because they have, some countries in the, in the Pacific Islands have negotiated with the New Zealanders that if such a thing happens, they can move to New Zealand. Wholesale, the whole right. nation mm -hmm. can go to New Zealand. So is that something we now have to start thinking about as a country? Because people are saying with 80% of the land in the Bahamas below five feet, mm -hmm. And with ocean rise scheduled to go uh, one, maybe one foot by year 2050, means we're going to be losing land progressively mm -hmm. up until that time. And by 2100, if there is not any change in the uh, temperature gradient, the ambient temperature, it's going to get worse. So what are we doing for these long-term things? But, you know, that's far out in the mm -hmm. future. But at the moment, there's some things we can do. The seawalls. The evacuation zones mm -hmm. uh, and the building codes, and the question is, how do we fund it? That's the real issue. Mm -hmm. And you know, all of the speakers of the Caribbean, if you the, saw the General Assembly last week, all the countries of the Caribbean spoke to this question of GDP per capita, which is used to say we cannot get concessionary rates. Example: Last year, the country was shut down from the fifth of October to the 9th of October, four days, $200 million of revenue not collected, four gone, country shut down. So $200 million gone with the wind, and then we had to go to the market to borrow $150 million at, a, at market rates through the Royal Bank of Canada. Mm -hmm. That's why we're in this deficit position now, right now. Wow. Right. And so if we got another massive hit this year and that was on the back of Joaquin which was another hundred million or so that we had to spend mm. so every year we're having to borrow money at market rates to go and fix hurricane problems so it is in our interest to develop a longer-term strategy to minimize the annual impacts of these things mm. so that we don't have to face these issues so much and that's the conversation which all of us need to be having at this point. And, and, and I think that's the important thing about it is that, you know, I think any other country, any other time, a lot of these first world countries too, it wouldn't be a conversation. You know, once, you know, if this was America, anybody, Europe, any place else, once they get hit with one thing, then it's like, okay, we need to do this. With the Bahamas, it's, you know, I call it, I joke about it with the Kairos all the time, 
We have a t-shirt and liquor culture. When politics comes around, whoever gives up the most free t-shirts, whoever has the best rally, whoever does this. And then we have also a culture of, I call it downtown seatbelt culture. No one puts on their seatbelt until they bank downtown. Yeah. No one cares about safety until they know there's going to be a myriad of police you know, downtown. We, we, we don't care until it's, we have a gun to our head yeah. to say, well, okay, this is now a problem, X, Y, Z. How far do you see the conversation going from the end of hurricane season until the new hurricane season? Do you think we can get to a point and, you know, it comes a conversation with, with, you know, with the PLP and the FNM and getting kids involved and getting the proletariat involved and just informing people. Do you think we can get to a point? How long do you think it will take, is a better question, to get to a point where those conversations turn into reality? And I think also to add on what you said, how do you get the first world nations to buy into your GDP per capita yeah, argument true, yeah. to be like, okay, that concessions are needed? It's not only just the Caribbean countries are saying, like, do we need a disaster to happen to take this seriously? Do they? Do they need to see refugees, climate refugees, actually happen and not just the Johnsons going to Canada? But do <laughs> they need to see it to be like, okay, we're going to get off our ass and then do something about it? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure at this point beyond the fact that the conversation has to start. Now, right. The Jamaican mm -hmm. foreign minister gave an interesting proposal. They said they're working with the Chileans mm -hmm. to develop something called the uh, the... I think it's called the sensitivity, the the sensitivity twenty. Don't don't hold me to that. But okay. it was a very it was a very interesting concept. What it means is that countries who have this issue will all band together mm. and create a lobbying group on the international financial institutions to try and force the issue. Mm. And she also suggested coming up with a sustainability index. So this index will determine the vulnerability of various countries and be a mechanism by which the World Bank can then judge whether a country uh, deserves the uh, deserves the um, concessionary rates or not. Wow. Imagine, like, do you think our voices are heard? Like, you know, anytime I hear about the UN and all these different, you know, IMF and things like that, are our voices heard when we go and we speak to them and we, you know, we do these speeches and we try and get things done? Do they listen? Uh, I, th I think so. I mean, because... Obviously, we don't have the numbers, you know. No. But but uh, I'll tell you this. I guess we must be yeah. getting near the end. Yeah. But I told told this story because the student said to me, "Well, what's the point of talking and so on and so forth?" And I said to them, "You know, I had a very good friend, Sir Albert Miller, mm -hmm. very wealthy man, very powerful man mm -hmm. in Bahamas. He died a few years ago, two years ago now, uh, and he was one of the leaders of the Grand Bahama Port Authority. He and Jack Haywood and Edward St. George." So in my activist days, I was on a public platform in Grand Bahama, and I got up and I was railing against these fellows and saying, you know, we need to get rid of these octogenarians who are running Grand Bahama. It's time for them to go, right? So that said, done, you know, reported in the newspapers and everything. And I said, Sir Alba's a very good friend of mine. So as I was leaving Grand Bahama, I called him up on the phone to say hi and all the rest of it. So he picks up the phone and he says to me, my wife says I shouldn't be speaking to you. So I said, well, why? She said, you got up on the platform and said, these old people got to go. Who are running? <laughs> 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 running right? So I started, I started laughing. I said, but let me ask you this. I said, I didn't know rich people used to pay any attention to what people used to say on the platform. I thought you all rich no. sitting behind closed doors. You didn't give a hoot, right? I think exactly. we need to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so, I feel unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> but what I told them, the moral of the story is this. Rich people and powerful people like you to say nice things about them, too. Mm -hmm. I told them, look what the French president did for Trump. Not that he likes Trump. <laughs> the French president That's true, actually. There. He says, come over to France. I'm going to put an official visit on for you. Brought out the troops, lined them up in all their uniforms, mm -hmm. you know, sent the limo down, the red carpet, the band, right? Big thing. And I said, what did Trump say when he left? He's the greatest president I've ever been to, right? <laughs> you know? So that's the answer to whether you can influence or not. Okay. You know, John Kerry uh, came here, comes here on holiday all the time. Mm -hmm. So last year, before the, just before the hurricane, we were sitting in Harbor Island, you know, over drinks in Harbor Island. And we got to talk about what can I do, how can I do to help. I love that humble brag. <laughs> Henry Kissinger comes here uh, out in Life at Key mm -hmm. every year in February on holiday. 
Um, so there are influential people that are in and around the Bahamas. They like the place. This is a northeastern playground for the elites of the United States. Right. That's that's what our tourism and second home ownership is actually based on. The northeastern establishment likes the Bahamas because it's two hours away, complete change of weather, and they don't get hassled when they come in. Mm -hmm. And they want to do something to contribute when they interact with local elites. Mm -hmm. So the answer to you is yes, it's it's not easy to influence because they've got a lot of people in there, yeah. in their head. But you know, and whenever you get a leverage point, you have to use it for what it is. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So Senator Mitchell, thank you very much for yeah. coming on the podcast. I hope we can do this again. This yeah. is a productive discussion. And I think we got through about half the things yeah. I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so thank you again. This is the 10th Year Seniors Conversation Podcast. Thank you for listening. Stay woke. Well.